Oh, thank you all for tuning in to the 438th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane, as always, wherever you are, however you may be listening, I thank you for making me and this show part of your day, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Arita, SoundCloud, Pandora, or WJCU, the John Carroll Radio Station in the morning. I thank you all for tuning in. We're going to have a great podcast for all you guys today. going to have Kenny Simmons, scouting expert for Trench Prison Sports. Do not break down football, the NFL, college football, the NFL draft. We're going to talk some NBA. Celtics versus Warriors. NBA Finals, Game 1. Now, before we get to Kenny, I'm going to give my shameless plug as always. First time listener, thank you, but subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below. Specifically, if you use Spotify, have everything timestamped, you can click on the timestamp and it will send you to whichever part of the podcast you would most like to listen to, folks. It's for your convenience. Follow me on Twitter at Nitrant underscore Lane. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane. You will find it. I post three to five minute clips of this podcast right here, as well as my syndicate show, Outside the Shop. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review. For some odd reason, right? Don't the pod, then don't say anything. Because, you know what your mama told you? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, me and Kenny Sim are going to recap Game 1 of the NBA Finals, Celtics-Warriors. Cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. With Barbershop Sports Talk, we have Kenny Sim and Silas Garrison with us to talk about Game 1 of the NBA Finals. Boston takes the 1-0 lead. How are both you guys doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. A little, a little surprised after after the shellacking that the, that, the, that the Golden State Warriors had at the end of the at the end of the fourth quarter, but other than that, I'm doing pretty good. Kenny? Yeah, re- re- really surprising that the Warriors coming in 21-3 and in game one under Steve Kerr and the fourth quarter, they threw up a dot. 40-16 to in favor of Boston, and you know, Boston just relied on that elite defense, and they locked down Golden State. They went like five and a half minutes without a basket. Between that and their role players, like Al Horford and uh, Derek White, that gave them a very surprising, I think, game one victory in Golden State. First loss for Golden State at home as well. Silas, how shocked would you have been if I told you before this game that the Warriors were going to be up by double digits and they were going to piss away a lead in which Jason Tatum shot 3-17 from the field? I, I would have thought you were joking. Um, especially if I also would have known that Steph Curry would have had 21 points, 
in the first quarter. I was a little bit surprised that he didn't score at all in the second quarter, but still for him to end with, what, 34 points? And for, you know, not even just Steph, but, I mean, Wiggins still had 20, Clay had 15. Um, we were talking before the pod, you have to take into consideration that, you know, Clay probably could have had, let's say, 25 points maybe. But, I mean, for all intents and purposes, the Warriors played good enough to win this game. They, they were controlling the game for the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, the fourth quarter, all but five minutes. And there was just an avalanche. Like, I, I don't know if the Celtics just had a eureka moment or whatever it was. Um, but the fact that that happened and then the fact that Jason Tatum played 42 minutes and then was relegated to really being a distributor, and and still they ended up the Celtics ended up scoring the better part of 120 points, you know, in a in a in a route and when this game going away is just very odd, very odd for sure. Is this going to be known as Kenny? How bad Tatum played? How good Brown played? Because Brown scored over 20 points. I think Brown was like 23 to 10. The Horford game or. Uh, the Derek White game. Yeah, I would probably say it would be the uh, Horford and Derek White game to be able to be, you know, Horford was their leading scorer at 26 points. White just came up big time and time again from three. It seemed like whenever they needed a three and he pulled up, he made it. So I think it's going to be those role players um, that would be the story of the night. And then if they could replicate that or even replicate a portion of it, you know, uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that, you know, 26 and 21 again. But if they could be competent enough and outplay the Warriors role players, they're going to have a chance to win the series. And then if they don't, you know, Orford had some tough times at the end of that Miami series. If Horford, you know, he's at four, six points. If White is struggling and being hunted on defense, that's going to give the Warriors a bump. So right now I think it's, it's more Horford and White and how good they play tonight and then seeing if they could replicate that at least to be like a somewhat good level um, and, and see if the strength in numbers for the Celtics could Warriors. So a lot was made coming into this series about how Boston's defense, which has been phenomenal throughout the entire postseason, how they're going to be able to defend the off-ball movement of the Warriors. Silas, how do you think they did? Um, I thought they did it. I thought that they played defense relatively well. Um, I mean, it's really difficult, uh, you know, to guard Steph Curry regardless of who you are. Um, just because he moves very well without the ball. He's constantly relocating on offense. Obviously, a lot has been made about that, not just from Steph Curry's perspective, but also um, just the Warriors in general. Their philosophy to move around the ball has always been very uh, illustrated and, and, and written about, and we've obviously seen it as this dynasty has continued to believe in moving around the ball with with Clay and with Jordan Poole and Steph is obviously no exception whatsoever. So, um, you know, it's obviously very difficult to guard. Uh, I thought that they did a relatively decent job. I was very impressed that Steph scored 21 points. 
uh, in the first quarter. I it, it looked like <laughs> in the first quarter it looked like Steph could go for sixty tonight. Uh, but um, I was really impressed that then the second quarter they held him to zero points, and I think it was that that kept them in the game. And if, if Steph would have went, I, I you know that I'm thinking about it in retrospect, if Steph would have went off in the second quarter, and they would have had the third quarter that they did have, this game would have been insurmountable. Um, but the fact that they were able to hold Steph in check for at least one quarter, which was that second quarter, not to mention he also got into a little bit of foul trouble as well, so he definitely paid himself no favors by doing that. Um, but for all intents and purposes, to be able to, you know, at least keep Steph for somewhat in check after the first quarter, I thought that that was good. Clay's obviously going to get his, but I mean, you can live with him having 15. Jordan Poole is the biggest story that I think nobody's talking about right now. I mean, only nine points. Um, obviously, a lot was being said about him having a big series, so he's definitely going to have to step up. But in terms of guarding, um, defensively, I would say that the Celtics did that uh, more than did more than an adequate job. Do you think they're going to have to play less, Kenny? Do you think they're going to have to play less Pool and more loony down the stretch of these games because also like the thing is you don't really want to have Steph and Pool out there defensively because then you have two six foot two guards out there mm-hmm. and and if Pool's not uh, offensively he's not holding up his end you might as well have Looney in. Yeah, I think that's gonna be an interesting lineup combination on how Steve Kerr does that because if you do have if you have Looney and Green in the game together both of those are not big offensive threat. So now you're depending your whole offense on, you know, predominantly Steph and Clay creating, and you got Wiggins too. So, you know, a guy who had a pretty good game as a big wing with Otto Porter, mm. see if they go big there. And, they get, and, and then, then you still got, you know, Curry and Thompson, Wiggins, Porter, Green. But you still, you know, and, and they did that a couple of times. that They, they had... Iguodala and Porter on the floor. Not sure how much Iguodala is going to be able to give coming back from injury in his age. But if you have, you know, Porter and 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 Wiggins and Green, that's a pretty formidable front line. They can play defense, and then those guys can knock down threes that Steph could create. You know, and 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 I don't know if Steve Kerr is going to show all his cards. He could also go to Moody if he wants to get you know, some minutes in there and break down, you know, however many minutes like Poole would play, you reduce him a little bit, maybe try to go for a stretch with, you know, like a Moody or an Otto Porter. So, you know, I think that could be looked at, but I don't think they have enough offense if they go with Looney and Green together. Were either of you shocked that Gary Payton didn't play at all? I mean, he was a starter for them before he got hurt. And Andre got minutes, and Andre was injured. Are either of you shocked that he didn't play any minutes at all? Yeah, you know he was cleared to play, um, so so he's, he's you know he's come back from that elbow, the uh, broken elbow. So so he's eligible to play, um, but he didn't tonight. He was a DMP, so that's another guy that they could go with too. So you know, wouldn't surprise me if kind of Steve Kerr kind of shook it up and went with a, a, another wing player that they have. And, and then you got uh, you got Kuminga on the bench, too. So they have options to go with. But, you know, that, that could be something that they look at. Um, they went with Iguodala, I think, for playoff experience. 
Um, so we will see if they do that a little bit. Especially if Poole, you know, he, he was really being hunted out tonight by the Celtics. So, you know, if he's not upholding his offensive game, then he becomes a liability. But the Warriors are so deep, they, they have options to go with. And, you know, I could see the eight-man rotation being shuffled a little bit and bringing in somebody else, which they're capable of doing. And that's the thing, too, Silas, because I want to go to this with you. You always talk about how Steph's not a good defender, and I always think what made the death lineup so good, either the first iteration with Andre, Harrison Barnes, and Clay, then the second one with KD and all of them, and then now this one is Steph was always the worst defender. Now it's Poole. So now you have two really small guys, and then you only have three really plus defenders with Wiggins, I mean, I guess if you consider Clay a plus defender at this point, maybe Clay's a neutral now, and then Draymond. Really, on Wiggins and Draymond, that kind of changes entirely how they play defense, right? Yeah, and I will also say this. I mean, Mark Jackson alluded to this earlier with, you know, we've obviously seen in the playoffs and even a little bit in the regular season uh, that they were relegated to going into a zone. Um, and, and I don't think a lot of people are talking about why they even do that. So they want to, so they don't have to necessarily go into a zone if they put a lineup out there, for example, like an Andre Iguodala, they put Steph, Clay, and then uh, Looney and uh, uh, Draymond out there. Then they wouldn't have to. But the point is, um, you know, they want to also keep that offensive firepower out there as well. But then you're obviously giving up stuff on defense, so then they kind of cheat. You know, by then getting into a zone, that way they can have, you know, the best of both worlds. We can have adequate, you know, defense where we can kind of sprinkle in a zone, but then I can also keep, you know, my offensive fire prowess out there as well. Um, What I will say is this, Mark Jackson talked about that, and he also alluded to the fact that, and this is something that I thought that was very interesting, is that... um, you know, they're the number, he said that these are two of the top defenses in the league. Now, I understand the Celtics being a top defense in the league, if not the number one defense in the league. I, and maybe this is just analytics, which I confess myself to be ignorant on that topic, but I didn't know that the Golden State Warriors were, were a, a, you know, a solid defensive team this year. And what, even when I've seen them play throughout the playoffs, I haven't looked at them as such a defensive efficient team so um you know in terms of how they play defense i mean it's it's a little bit unorthodox and i think you have to because but you know at the same time people are going to make shots like i've always said this it's a make or miss league the number one thing that you can do is force people into tough shots and if they end up making those tough shots then it's what it is but you don't want to then get rid of you know what you have on offense because of what you're going to be giving up on defense because as long as you're forcing people into tough shots, that's really all you can do. But you know, obviously, the more the points that you, the more minutes that you take away from Jordan Poole, obviously, then that means that the more points you're going to be taking away as well. Just subsequent to the fact that he's not going to be out there for as many minutes. So I don't want to sacrifice what I can get, you know, 20, 15 points out of Jordan Poole a night because he can't get, he can't produce what I need him to on the defensive side of the ball. So I feel like they've got to find a way to make sure that he gets his minutes, but then also make sure that, you know, they can still be defense, defensively competent as well. His best minutes are going to probably, I mean, it's probably best to play him when you don't have step on the floor, but 
you're going to want stuff on the floor for like 40 plus minutes during these games. So yeah, that's, yeah, you're definitely, yeah, I agree. You're, you're right about that. You're definitely going to want it staggered. But I also feel like Jordan Poole and, and Steph play very well off of each other too. Correct. So, it's, so, it's, so yeah, so you know what I mean? So it's difficult. It's like, yeah, ideally I would like for Jordan to come off the bench. That's, I mean, that's the whole reason why we're doing that. But also at the same time, he plays very well with Steph. So I'm in a, I'm in a tough situation because what I get on offense with both of them on the court, I also give up a little bit of my, you know, defensive horses on the, uh, on the opposite side of the ball. But what I will say is this. Jordan Poole being out there or not, or, or not, it's not like you guys are all that great of a defensive team regardless. So I, I don't know if I really want to take away Jordan Poole's minutes because of what I'm not getting on the defensive side of the ball because it's not like I'm all that great defensively anyway. I, if I was a coach, I would say forget that. I want you guys to force people into tough shots. Do what you can. They're going to make shots irregardless. I, you know, you know how I feel about this, Bill. I think even jumping is 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 ridiculous. I think you just put people in a difficult position to make a tough shot, wind the you know shot clock down, and see what happens. That's my personal belief. Get rebounds, then you know transition on offense. So that's how I feel about defense personally. But there's no way that I can afford to pit, to play Jordan Poole, let's say. 20 minutes as opposed to where he should be in the 30s, somewhere, you know, around, let's say, 34, 35 minutes, because offensively, he can he can give me, I mean, obviously, tonight he gave me nine, right? But he can still give me 30 in a game as well. So, I mean, I have to have that offensive prowess out there. How quick should his hook be? Uh, say it one more time. How quick should his hook be? His hook, so, so. The, How quickly uh, should you pull him if it's not working? Or you just have to let him play. He's earned the right to just let him play. Yeah, you you gotta let him. I was about to say that. Yeah, you you gotta let him go. You gotta let him go. Because you gotta understand. He has a ton of confidence because of Steve Kerr believing in him, his team believing in him. He's obviously played very efficient this year. The last thing you want to do is, you know, mess that up by then being like, hey, if you're not scoring by this time and we don't see, you know, essentially like the return on investment for playing you in this game, then we're going to have to hook you. Like, I don't really think you want to do that. I think then, you know, that starts putting demons in his head. You know, I I remember, uh, I remember Steve Kerr was saying before, like when he used to get in the game, he only got like five or six shots. And if he didn't make those shots, then he was getting, you know, he was getting benched right away. So that means that every shot that he took, took on way more pressure than it should have had to. So, you know, so, I mean, the last place that you want to do that is in the finals with, with a guy who's, for all intents and purposes, been very, very good for you down the stretch in this playoff run. You got to let him play. You got to, you just got to let him be, you got to let him be him. And, and at the same time, you also have to have a clear understanding of who you are defensively, regardless, without Jordan Poole or not. Like, like we have to sit down and have a conversation as coaches. Where are we defensively, even if Jordan Poole doesn't play? Are we, are, if we don't play Jordan Poole as much, are we so much better defensively? And, and are we better defensively to the point where offensively we can, we can risk not playing him staggered minutes? adjacent to Steph Curry. And my judgment, I think defensively you may be a little bit better, but offensively with Jordan Poole, you run the I mean, you have a chance of Steph Curry having thirty, Clay being twenty five and Jordan Poole being thirty. Well I mean if you put that up it doesn't really matter what happens on the defensive side of the ball, you probably end up winning that game. Kenny, how good do you think the Warriors are actually defensively? How what? How good do you think the Warriors actually are defensively? 
Yeah, I mean, so 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 coming into the playoff series, they were I think they were top five in points allowed. They have dipped a little bit below that in the uh, in in the playoff. I think they were eighth in defensive efficiency, but they've been a pretty solid defense all year. I think because of their length and their athleticism on the wing. Um, so tonight, Celtics made a ton of threes. So it's just getting those coverages right um, and, and, and preventing those open shots on the perimeter because they knocked down what they they knocked down 19 threes tonight. So you know if they clean that up, Celtics don't shoot 42 percent. Then it starts going back down, you know, 120 points go back down to 100. So they still have some options, you know, with um, definitely with Green and Wiggins on the perimeter. That's a plus for for them. Um, you, you know, Clay can't guard like he used to. And I think that's something that they have to try to cover up or he'll still be decent, but not at the level he was pre-injury. So it's just cleaning up the three-point line. So that's definitely going to be something to watch going forward is who wins that three-point battle, what's the percentages of those. Because, I mean, the fourth quarter, the Celtics were 9 of 11 from three. So between that and knocking down 21 threes in the game, I would expect a little bit of a regression back. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to do that again. So that would help them. But 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 the Warriors' defense, when it's really humming, is when they have those those elite athletes on the wing with with length, and they could then switch everything. And so, you know, it doesn't matter if you switch on Jalen Brown or Tatum. They'll still have like a Wiggins on them, a Green you know, a Kaminga, any one of those type of wing players. Silas, did it bother you at all when Mark Jackson said the Warriors were an elite defensive team? <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't think it bothered me. I just never looked at them as, like, as an elite defense. Like, I didn't, I've never, I just, I just have, I may, and, may, and you know what, and, you know, I, can, I confess myself to be, to be wrong on that, but I just, like when I see them play, I don't. I think that there are. I think that they play very good in spurts. But I mean, they had to get into a zone against Luka Doncic, and he was the only defense, like the only offensive player that was any type of a threat. You know, for all intents and purposes, that and his playmaking. So the fact that you guys had to get into a zone like that to me was very alarming. Now I under and. and even when they were playing against Job, you know, before Job got hurt, I'm, and, and albeit, I'm talking about playoffs specifically. Like, I'm not talking about like what they did in the regular season. I'm specifically talking about the playoffs. I like Job. Like, for for a better part of, of of that series, they found themselves playing in a zone. So it wasn't just like with Luca; they found themselves in a zone. For they, you know, they they were relegated to a zone tonight. They were relegated to a zone. Uh, when they were playing against, you know, Ja. Well, well in now, fairness, it's not fair to say most teams should probably play zone if they're playing against Ja. That would behoove most teams. Right. Well, well, fair, but, but I mean, <laughs> most teams don't do it three series back-to-back, that's right? That's true. Like you would, yes. You know what I mean? And, and, I'm not, and, I'm not, and I feel like that's a compliment to the other team when you, have, when you drop down to a zone. 
you know. Now, with that being said, I didn't really take exception to it. I was surprised that he said this is the number one defense and the number two defense. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't read anything. I haven't seen anything statistically that would give me that indication other than the fact that these are the only two teams playing now. So I guess it is one and two. Like, there's nobody yet. Like, who are you comparing them to? Like, they're the only two teams left. But, I mean... Yeah, I, I think I think Kenny makes a very compelling point. Obviously, when Gary Payton was in, um, you know, he had a lot of defensive prowess as well as, um, you know, obviously Draymond Green in the middle of that defense. And, you know, then you had, you know, Iguodala coming off the bench, Otto Porter, who, you know, obviously these are pretty, you know, long wings. Um, Steph has always been really good at stealing the ball, you know, in uh, spots. Um, he's always been good with his hands, so like I wasn't. I, I guess I could see where you guys are coming from. I just, I've, I've always looked at the fact that they can shoot the three, move the ball, get out and run. I've, I guess that's my thing. I like that they've always turned their defense into quick offense. But in terms of like sitting in the chair and locking people up, like I haven't seen that this playoff run. And by the way, I didn't think that that was going to happen in this series. If it was, first of all, just for transparency, I have the Celtics winning in five. But I didn't think at any time that you know if this was going to be a competitive series, it was going to be because Golden State was sitting in the chair. I, I thought it was going to be because the offensive avalanche that is the Golden State Warriors might be too much for the Celtics at times. But I very rarely thought that it was going to be because their defensive prowess was so strong that the Celtics would, you know, end up not, you know, playing up to their ability. Now, obviously, tonight I was wrong because Jason Tatum was held to 12 points in like 43 minutes. So I'm still trying to figure out how that happened. I'm trying to figure out if that was more Golden State defense or was that if the ineptitude of Jason Tatum, I mean, every, he is human after all, so everybody's entitled to a bad game. And I'm not saying that defensively they're incompetent. Like, they're, I, I, I will say that they're a good defensive team. I was just shocked when I heard that they were like the best defensive team. I would have to go back and hear what he said, but I'm pretty sure he said like this is the number one and number two defense in the league, and I, I just thought that, that was a little bizarre. Well, I will tell you this. I already told you. Tatum did his best Kobe impression. He went 3-17, of 17 and he could say he won the game. The only know, thing that's I missing is Tatum didn't jack it up more. He knew when to stop. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and honestly, like, I have to, I, just for full transparency, I, I just, I have a hard time accepting anything in a, in a win that I wouldn't in a loss. And I'm sure that Coach Doka would be the first person to tell you, yeah, like we're happy that, you know, he started facilitating. You know, obviously he was able to impact the game in a different way from scoring tonight. So we're definitely happy that we got the win. But just for full transparency purposes, I, I need Jason Tatum scoring the ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I need Jason Tatum out here scoring So, the ball Jason can't tell you he got a double-double. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> you can't tell me that, that, this is, that we're going to win the series because Jason Tatum was facilitating the ball. And like I said before, you know, uh, you know, earlier in a conversation that me and you had off-air, you know, if Chris Paul, for example, has a game like that, nobody, there's, there's no qualms because that's who Chris Paul is by nature. And so a game for him like that is very good because that's who he is, right? I don't want, it's, it's like the equivalent of like a player who starts taking threes, but he's been a mid-range shooter all 
year. It's like, why now all of a sudden would you then start trying to take threes? No, you are in the most high leverage situation. I need you to be more or less exactly who you've been all season because that's what's gotten us here. So, like, let's just for just for transparency purposes, you know, Jason Tatum started facilitating the ball because he wasn't making shots. It's not because he was like, oh, my God, I see the reads. So, like, let me get people open now. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, no, he was doing that because I need to impact the game in the different way because I don't have it tonight. And I'm saying that it would behoove him if he didn't have it tonight to find it very quickly. <laughs> like, like preferably, preferably before Sunday. Kenny, right now, who would be your vote for finals MVP? I know it's really early. Yeah, really early. Right now, the Brew one game, probably Jalen Brown. Yeah, JB showing out for the home team. Yeah, yeah, right, right out there from Cal. Because I think there is, you know, I think there is a, a, a certain level of um, a certain level of clout that you need coming in. Like, gotta be one of the top players on the team, um, and then, you know, so so through one game, not Tatum today at three for seventeen. Brown, I thought, was the one that really facilitated and got them back in the game. They were down by 10, and he went on a little 5 nothing run to cut it to 5, timeout, and he was really unguardable. And that's definitely something that the Warriors are going to have to figure out. Because if you put you know, Wiggins on Tatum, then you got to find someone to really at, at, at least make it difficult on Jalen Brown. But I would say round right now still hesitant if White or Horford could keep that up all series um, but you know Horford would be a dark horse with how good he's playing in the postseason being that veteran but I would go with Jalen Brown through right now um, probably if you take a look at the MVP tonight you know I think it'd be Jalen Brown considering you know status on the team 24 points facilitating all of that Silas, would you be okay with that if Jalen Brown won finals MVP? Yeah, man, I think Kenny makes an amazing point for Jalen Brown. Um, obviously, he got it going, and, you know, obviously, uh, you would you would probably think also to throw um, Al Horford in there and White in there as well. Um, but just in terms of all-around impact on the game, it would be really hard as an early favorite not to favor Jalen Brown at the moment. And Jalen Brown, too, is just that classic two-guard. And, like, even throughout the Miami series, he puts up a quiet 20 points, a quiet 24 points. And he did it today on 23 shots, but it was just a quiet amount. And then you start looking at the stat sheet throughout the game and just keeps building and building. But a very style of 24 points in his, in his first finals game, too. Um, but he's just a really steady player, I'm a fan. Yeah, and, and, and to that point, too, Daryl, you know, it just seems like Jalen Brown just gets his points in the flow of the game, right? Like, he, it's, it's not, he's not pressing it. Like, he knows those points are going to come. He knows he's going to get his shots. And it just seems like every time he gets to the spot that he wants. What's interesting about Jalen Brown is that it doesn't ever seem like he's being rushed. It seems like he plays the game within his flow of the game, you know what I mean, at his pace, and, you know, I, honestly, like, in terms of... The less he dribbles, the better he plays. Shot, you know who I was thinking of? You know who he reminds me of? DeMar DeRozan. Huh. I see, I see a little bit. I see a little bit of DeMar DeRozan. Just a little bit. Just a t- 
tad bit of DeMar DeRozan in terms of he can get the three when he wants to, but like his ability to get to his shot, to get to his mid-range, and that little backup uh, post shot that he has, it reminds me just a tad bit. I'm not, I'm not saying he's as efficient. I'm not saying he's as good as DeMar DeRozan. That's not what I'm saying. But just getting his shots in the flow of the game and being able to get to his spots in the mid-range, not to mention how pure the mid-range looks, even when it's being contested like tonight, there were like two or three times Draymond Green's right in his face and he's sinking it. You know what I mean? Because he's at because he's at his spot and he's getting it in rhythm too, right? So I would actually say like just early, yeah, it's Jalen Brown for MVP, but also I'm also you know I'm intrigued at the fact that he can just get it so effortlessly in the flow of the game. There is no time that I don't think Jalen Brown in this series shouldn't be able to get at least over twenty points. Because he's just getting it, because because he's just getting to his spots, and and the hard part is how do you get him off the spot, right? Because I mean, if he's, I mean, if you're telling me that he's going to get to his spot and then he's just gonna, and he's just gonna, he's just gonna lean up and take the shot, even even if you're contested, I mean, there's and he doesn't really need the ball to score. He doesn't really need to, you know, pound the ball to score either. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, so I, I would say all those things considered, I mean, it's just very difficult for Jalen Brown right now not to be seen as, as finals MVP. I, to be honest with you, I still don't think he's, I would be, I'm not going to say I, I would be surprised if he won it. I still think Jalen um, Brown played well, but I think Jason Tatum's definitely going to come on. But I did want to say something, even though that this has nothing to do with what we were talking about. Remember when I told you that Jalen Brown was going to go past Clay Thompson? Do you remember when I said that? Yeah, you did say he would go past him. You said every you know, time, though. Daryl, you know I love Clay Thompson. I love Clay Thompson. For the viewers out there, Kenny, Kenny, I love Clay Thompson. He loves him more than his own children. Jalen Brown blew right past Clay Thompson. <laughs> he blew right past him. And when people say that Clay Thompson's back, I'm trying to tell you, he's not back. Like, offensively, he is back. But did he ever really leave? I mean, like, that three's always going to look like that three. You know what I mean? And, like, he's always going to be able to move without the ball. And he never really needed the ball to score in the first place. What I'm really interested to see is will we ever see Clay Thompson as the defensive player that he was my answer is going to be no I, I I I'm going to assume that that Clay Thompson for all perpetuity purposes I think that's gone I think I think that part of his game is gone but that doesn't mean that he can't be effective but I would have never said and that's all I knew like in my heart Clay Thompson wasn't back Wait, was that Clay Thompson that, gone after the Achilles or gone after the ACL Jalen Brown would have went past or blew past Clay Thompson. And the fact that I could feel so comfortable saying that also tells me that he's not back. I think they're also missing Clay Thompson on defense. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then cut up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to make some predictions for game two. We'll cut up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk. We still have Kenny and Silas with us. 
So, Silas, what do the Warriors have to do to make sure they don't lose in five like you think they are? Literally, do everything that you did in this in game one. Just finish. Like, just finish the game. I don't. I mean, I don't know what happened. Daryl, it's, um, it, um, it's just so puzzling. It literally looks like they just fell asleep at the wheel. So, if we can just, you know... Let's take this with a grain of salt. You know, it's only one game. Um, to be honest with you, I, I, like I said, I thought that they were going to lose in five regardless. But if I was Steve Kerr, I'm saying, hey, you know, we got some humble pie tonight. And, you know, nothing's ever as bad as it seems. Nothing's ever as good as it seems. Let's stay humble. Let's stay hungry. We're going to go right back to the drawing board. Let's do exactly what we did. We executed very well. Staff got off to a really good start. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, we're going to, in my judgment, I would play pool the exact same way, give him the exact same minutes, if not a little bit more, let him get started, uh, let him get started early. I might even consider, this is just me, I might even consider starting him, you know what I mean, just to really get, just to really get him going. And take out Looney, and you're going to take out Looney then, and, right? And, t- and, take, and, take, and take out Looney, yeah, and take out Looney. I think Draymond would be perfectly fine down low. I don't think that that would be that big of a deal. And then I think offensively we will really be able to get after him. That's what I would say. But even if you don't want to do that, it's not a big deal. I mean, it's not like you weren't controlling this game for, for, for four quarters except for five minutes in the, you know, in the fourth. So, I mean, you know, I don't really want to make too many corrections. I just really want to make a point of emphasis on finishing. And, and these, and, you know, the Warriors have been here before, so they would tell you the exact same thing. They just got to know how to close out ball games like this. They've been here before. If they really are going to be contenders in this series, this will not be a blemish on them. This is just going to be a blemish on them. This is not going to be the overall uh, nexus or, you know, for why they lost the series. They'll be perfectly fine. They just got to know how to finish for game two. Kenny, over or under 34 points for Steph Curry in game two? 34, so he had he had uh, 34 tonight. I'm going to go under. Um, yeah, I'm going to go under. He had, I think he averages like 26 in the finals, but uh, I'm going to go slightly under, especially being that, that hot from three against that bit of a defensive team. But, you know, he should be right around the 30-point mark again. And I think if you take a look at just, like, the distribution of points, I would, I mean, I would expect Clay Thompson to have a much better game than 15 points. He should be right around that 20-point mark again. Um, but it does bear the fact that if you're taking a look at, you know, let's just say Curry and Thompson versus Tatum and Brown, it happened tonight. Uh, I think it happened tonight, but 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 the point swing. I, I I think those two guys need to outscore Tatum and Brown, and then the Warriors, you know, three through nine, outduel the Celtics or at least play even. But um, I would probably go slightly under that thirty-four number for for Curry that you have up, and a little bit more from um, Clay. But those two guys combined, if they outscore Tatum and Brown, I would like to. Uh, Warriors chances in game two. How about Steph Curry over or under 13 three-point attempts? I didn't go over on that one. So he's in double digits always. 
Um, I still think he'll he'll find a way to get a shot up, especially early on. You know, through at least the first three quarters, you know, he was really getting a shot up. I think he had twelve point uh, twelve three point attempts at halftime. So I would still expect him um, to, you know, definitely get his and get those three point attempts up. Silas, the stepping to push the boundaries to like twenty attempts from behind the arc. I, I mean, for them to win, I mean, he's going to have, I mean, maybe some extraordinary, if you think they're going to lose in five, some extraordinary things have to happen. So that's in the, it has to be in his mind, like maybe the magic number is 20, three-point attempts? No, no, because I, I don't, I, I think Steph is one of those players who just gets his points in the flow of the game. I've never really noticed Steph to be a person that would, you know, just inherently go out of his way to be like, I'm taking over this game, give me the ball and get out of the way. That's never really been the way he plays. And I think... Well, sometimes he does just put him up. <laughs> sometimes he right, does. Right, but, but, yeah, but even at times where he does that, I mean, it, I mean, I don't want to point to, you know, I don't want to single him out and point to specific times where I've seen that happen. But typically when you see that, he's losing, right? They're losing in, you know, maybe in like the fourth quarter. Like it actually happened tonight where he like jacked up a three. Um, and, and I've seen this again in the finals, for example, when he faced LeBron and, you know, in the Cavs and he was losing and he started jacking up threes. I've also seen it before when he, you know, uh, when he really, when he's an Oracle, remember when he was an Oracle and then they were making a comeback and like even in maybe like 17 seconds into the shot clock, he's taking a three, right? Because he just wants the crowd to get crazy, get involved. I know what he's doing. He's trying to get everybody hyped up. And obviously, when Steph Curry hits a three or when Klay Thompson hits a three, the roof, you know, jumps off the place. Um, I don't necessarily think that, that that's what they need. Um, I think that it's going to be more imperative uh, that they stick with the game that they've been playing. Um, and like I said, like, yeah, I have them losing in five, but I would have been clearly wrong today if they just would have played down the stretch better for five more minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, I hate to go back to that, but, like, I think they're doing everything fine if they just can stick with what they've been doing and just do it efficiently for a full 48-minute game, then I think they're going to be just fine. Um, I think it's very important that uh, we recognize as well that, yes, Clay also could have played better. However, Andrew Wiggins got, got the 20. Very rarely do we see... Andrew Wiggins and Clay both at 20 and then Clay at 30, you know, and then if that's the case, then it stands to reason why Jordan Poole then didn't get his numbers, right? I mean, not everybody's going to be. Now, if you're telling me that Jordan Poole needs to have 20 and then Clay needs to have 20 and then Andrew Wiggins needs to have 20 and Steph needs to be around 30 something, well, then I'm going to say you would, that most people then should agree with me. If it's going to take all of that for you guys to beat these Celtics, then you guys probably are going to lose in five. Well, I also think this, if if we're counting on who's going to have more games with 20-plus points, Wiggins, Thompson, and Poole, as opposed to Smart, uh, White, and Horford, I think we're going to go with Golden State's crew, right? Uh, I, would, I would believe that, yes. I would concur. Kenny, I would, would you, concur. Kenny, would you agree with that, too? Yeah. I believe I believe that Poole should be able to outplay White. That's 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 something that I believe. And if that doesn't I happen, think, then they might get swept. <laughs> yeah, these are clear hypotheticals. I'm telling you what I believe should happen. I, this, this doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a conduit for it to happen. 
But um, I feel like, I mean, obviously, Steph outplayed Jason Tatum tonight, and Jalen Brown outplayed, you know, Clay Thompson. Um, and, and all of those things are subsequent to change as well, right? Like, people are going to get their shots through the flow of the game. Somebody's going to have a hot game. Somebody's not going to have a hot game. So that, those things are subsequent to change. But I would say, like, to answer your original question, in order for them to, to win, I don't think it's going to be Steph taking more shots. I think it's just going to be them playing a full 48-minute game. If they do that, based off of what we've seen in the series so far, I think they'll be just fine. So, Kenny, Draymond Green has, like, the quietest, like, 2-for-12 games that nobody ever talks about. And I know Draymond's a great passer. He does a lot of little things. Fouled out of the game. But, like, nobody ever talks about the fact that offensively, as a score, he's just atrocious. Really sharp decline over the last two years. <laughs> and you take a look at, you know, you and Silas were onto something with, okay, you start count, you start to count up Curry and Thompson, Tatum and Brown, White cancels with Poole, but those fourth and fifth players in the starting lineup, Raymond Green's got to be better. And, and, you know, getting dominated by Horford tonight, but Green needs to be way better. So, you know, he, he had six fouls, you know, he fouled out, but, you know, he, he was, he, he's not really an offensive threat over the last two years. I mean, there's been a sharp decline in points and vehicles and everything, but just as a facilitator, too, um, you know, the three turnovers tonight, you know, on, on the open three-point shot, I think Boston wants him to have those open shots, and they take that as a victory over somebody else shooting. But, I mean, he's got that shot from three when he's open. Looks like he's got a big backpack and hunched over. It just doesn't look like a good shot. But, you know, <laughs> he, he's going to be able – he's got to be able to knock down when, when the Celtics play their defense and they let Draymond Green take those open threes. He's got to knock them down, especially at least one. Oh, yeah, there's no respect there. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's just like... But yeah, really hunched over when he shoots, but he's there, I mean, I mean, it's been like a, you know, it's been like a two-year thing, just a sharp decline, and that's why, you know, they, they really have Wiggins as that third score. It used to be Green, now it's Wiggins or D'Angelo Russell or whomever, but it, it, it's been a sharp decline, uh, but, but he, he's got to make his way on the defensive end but definitely facilitating, too. So that's definitely, when you take a look at the Warriors tonight, especially in the fourth quarter, Draymond Green really not cutting it, but he's got to be way better for them to win. Silas, I imagine like Ben Simmons having nightmares, and the reason he doesn't want to shoot is because he looks at Draymond, Draymond Green's stat line, and he's like, I don't want to be that guy. Do you think Ben thinks that in his head? I'm sorry. Do you think Ben thinks that in his head? He's like, I don't want to be that guy. I I don't know about that. What I do, what I do know (laughs) is I I think it's you know there are there are certain players where I'm just like I I applaud your confidence, and then at the same time, I I as a coach, like I would just be pulling out my hair if I see Draymond Green taking threes. I would be pulling out my hair every time. Giannis Antetokounmpo, after he scores six buckets consistently in the paint, just decides, okay, now I'm going to take a three-point shot. Like, what part of that is intelligent basketball? 
So I don't know. I and and I I would say just for Draymond, like I think something that's very frustrating to me is it seems like not only has there been a sharp decline to to, to Kenny's point, but it doesn't even look like he's looking for his shot anymore. Like he's, it's, it's, I mean, you're. It's not even like you're. It's not even like you're trying anymore to, to, to at least get your what it, what it used to be, you know, around your 12 or you know your 13 points. You know that that's really good for for Draymond Green when you when you can give him 13 points. You know, maybe 11 assists, so then you could kind of have like almost like that Steve Nash or not Steve Nash, excuse me, Jason Kidd type of triple double. You know, 10, 11, and 12. You know, you're not really seeing that out of Draymond Green anymore. So very. Um, very, very humbling um, that I'm seeing Draymond play like this. Draymond's also one of my favorite players. Um, I do have to agree with Kenny's assessment. However, I will say that for all of his offensive deficiencies, he still can absolutely shut down and dominate a game defensively. And therefore, he is definitely, you know, worth having out there, not to mention he generally is, for all intents and purposes, you know, a legitimate fuller general on offense yeah. as well. I think it's kind of crazy that you could be such a floor general but then not have the ball in your hand, nor you, could you really orchestrate for all intents and purposes, but he he's somehow still manages to you know, influence the game in that capacity. Silas, so. all he is is he's Ben Simmons. He's just ten tones darker and like ten times more confident. Yeah, definitely <laughs> more black. Um, <laughs> just, <laughs> and more confident. That's all he is. And he talks. Ben doesn't talk. Um, I, that's right. I, I will say I will say this. Uh, ben Simmons, if you can believe it or not, even looked for his shot more than Draymond Green does. For what that for what that's worth. And I would also make an argument that who's the better passer? Ben Simmons is clearly a better playmaker, and he's more of a danger. You know, he's more of a threat. You know, in the uh, open am court. I, am I losing my mind right the now? Open you know, in the open court. In the open court, for sure. Yep, that's right. Kenny, how many points do you think Draymond Green averaged this year? I think he was like at, what, seven, I'm guessing? <laughs> yeah, seven and a half. <laughs> now, 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 Silas, you you always talk about the postseason, right, Silas? You love the postseason. <laughs> yeah, right. Draymond stepped it up. Guess what he stepped it up to? Eight. <laughs> Eight and a half. Eight point seven. <laughs> 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 he said, Coach, I'm getting it every day. I got it. <sighs> I'm giving you everything I got. But I, I think to the bit, and I don't want to keep bringing up Ben Simmons, but my thing is it almost does become like the issue with the 76 when it becomes four on five because defensively, defensively, you know, you you, you don't have to guard somebody. Like, you know, one yeah. person, they're just a zero on offense. And I know he's great offensively. We've had this conversation, Silas, about like the value from defense to offense to playmaking. But when you know, like you can play four on five, particularly when Golden State has all these shooters, they need all this space. It actually kind of hurts them because like, he's not a threat. Like, like put it up, Draymond, and Draymond doesn't even look for a shot, like you said. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the part that's a little bit more frustrating. That it's like I, you know, I have a guy out there who, who literally not only can he not create, he can't even, you know, look for his own shot. Nor if we, and obviously we can't set up a shot for him. What is interesting though is typically I do see him setting up a lot of good screens for what that's worth. And I don't feel like a Draymond Green screen is like 
nothing to sneeze at. You know what I mean? Um, and I think there's something to be said about the fact that this team, you know, namely Steph, Clay, and uh, Draymond have been together for a very significant period of time. Clearly, Steph and Clay, those guys want him out there. So whatever he's doing out there on the court, clearly it's making an impact for those guys because if he did not, if the synergy was off between them, I have a hard time believing that Steve Kerr would have Draymond out there just for the sake of having Draymond out there. And for all intents and purposes, there were multiple times where Draymond could have been traded and they didn't trade him. Instead, they actually gave him more money. So, like, obviously, whatever he's doing out there, it's sufficient for, for, for the Golden State Warriors. But I will say this. Somebody told me this before, and I pushed back against, against it. Um, a friend of mine, Adam Bauer, said that Draymond Green could no way in any capacity have the same impact on another team. I took umbrage at that statement. But after the past two, even I would even say three years, I, I think I'm going to have to concur with that statement. I think he was on something for sure. And Can that's he... why I'm looking at lineup combination. You got Draymond out there with Looney. Now there's only three guys that are offensive threats. It just kind of just clogs up the spacing and messes everything up. Oh, yeah, Looney's even worse. Very, I mean, very warranted to play 38 minutes. Needed out there for his defense, the chemistry, the glue, all that stuff. But, you know, especially if the Celtics play a really small lineup like they did in the fourth quarter. Wonder if they start going to, you know, you got a Green, Wiggins, Curry, Thompson, and then you find that fourth uh, that fifth guy, that wing. Whether it's not a Porter, a Moody, even a Kaminga, Gary Payton maybe, that will be their top lineup to go to. Um that that gives you matchups offensively, defensively to be able to guard everybody on the Celtics. So having Draymond at the five with those four, you know, smalls. I think I think he goes a long way. Daryl, you asked me what do I think they need to change. In my judgment, in my judgment, I would put I would I would start pool. I would start pool. We're gonna get you started. We're gonna get you going early. I want you out there, and I know that we're going to be quote unquote sacrificing something defensively. Here's another thing. If we are what we think we are defensively, are we that much worse with Jordan Poole being out there defensive? Like, like, are we that much worse? You know, like, and not to mention, like, Jordan Poole being out there for all intents and purposes, I mean, am I not guaranteed with more minutes that he could potentially give me 20 to 30 points? You know what I mean? So, I, I don't know. Are you, are you, you have to ask yourself a question. Are you, are, are you saying that Jordan Poole is such a liability that it's not, you know, he's kind of more, you know, you know, uh, he's more, he, it's, it's, it's going to create more problems defensively than it would give me, you know, an offensive advantage. Who do you think is better I, defensively, I Steph or, I, I Steph or Poole? Who do you think is better on defense, Steph or Poole? I don't think either of them are that great. Whoa, well, that's, <laughs> the, that's the problem. Curry a little crafty. Curry a little crafty. He could get his hands in there and swipe, but he's not that
I know that I much. Mean, even if you gotta, I mean, but even if you got to get into that little zone that you guys were playing, like, I don't know. I, I just, I, I have a hard time believing that you're going to, like, because like, don't you need Jordan Poole out there for more points? And not to mention, like, when you have Steph, like, there were multiple times. That, guys, just, just hear me out on this. There were multiple times where Steph did penetrate the offense or did penetrate the defense. And then he tried to kick it out, and guess who we kicked it out to? Kicked it out to Jerry Monbert. What are we doing? Or, or, or then one time I saw him kick it out to Looney. I'm thinking to myself, like, what are we doing? But again, like you said, they're, you know, like, I mean, you can only kick it out to oh so many people. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't, I, I would hate to think that, like, you know, Draymond Green's going to be the open party, but of course he's going to be. Because we're not going to leave anybody else open. You know what I mean? But if, if at least if I have Poole out there, a legitimate guy who can knock it down from three, I mean, I, I just think it would behoove us then to space the floor in that capacity. That's, I guess that's just where I'm at with it personally. But either way, I you guys know how I feel about this. I think they're losing in five regardless. Kenny, who's more likely to score 20 points next game? Horford, uh, White, <laughs> or Smart? Out of the three of them, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go smart, especially if he, you know, if he starts because he's actually because he's actually their alpha, and it's hard when you're not a great shooter. But but if he starts, you know, locking up staff and using his defense to give him energy on offense, he's gonna get the shots and the opportunities to get that 20-point mark. You know, game seven, shot 22 times. But, you know, he he had a nice game today. He had 18 today, and he didn't even play a lot until late in the fourth quarter. They were kind of riding White um, white and uh, Pritchard, but he had 30 minutes. So I think just with the amount of opportunities that he could get shooting the ball, he'd be close to that. 20 point mark. Silas, over or under 25 points for Tatum next game? It better be over. It better be over. He better be over. After after the dud that you laid today, after the egg that you laid today, after how shameful you played on offense today, you better be over 25. I demand, I, re, I demand that Tatum plays better. Especially considering that I praised him after he beat Brooklyn, I praised him after he after he beat uh, after he beat the Bucks. Okay, and I was so proud of him when he beat Miami. No, you better be over twenty five after you laid out twelve in forty something minutes. What's more likely, Silas? Tatum scores forty five next game, or he scores eighteen points and let's say he gets ten rebounds. It's more likely that he scores twenty five. <laughs> And I, and I and I and I and again, I don't want to hear anybody start, you know, this ridiculous narrative that the, you know, hey, Jason Tatum, you know, yeah, he didn't have it going, but look at how he facilitated. Because guess what? If they would have lost tonight, you know what? We would have been like, that's crap, that's horrible. He did not have a good game, but because they won, we're like, we then flipped the narrative, and then we're like, oh, he played very well. Look how he got the team involved. No, I'm not trying to hear that. I guarantee Coach Udoko right now would be like, yo, like, I don't care about any of those assists. I need I need Jason Tatum scoring. You know, obviously I haven't listened to the press conferences yet. 
but like I guarantee if a reporter went in there and was like, how did you just feel about the way Jason Tatum was, you know, assisting and, you know, getting his team involved tonight? Like, I guarantee you don't get in the back of his head and be like, yeah, I like that too, but uh, I, I need my points. Because am I to believe, because we could ask this question too, is, am, I, am I to believe that White's going to hit that many threes again? That Al Horford's going to hit that many threes again? Am I, am I to believe that I'm going to get that type of contribution not only from the bench, but from my role players as well? In my starting lineup, no, I, I have a hard time believing that. I know, I know that Jalen Brown could give me that again. I know that, and I and I know, and I know that you know I'm probably going to have an assimilance of that from Al Horford, and it's not from Al Horford from White, but very rarely are all four going to be on, and my superstars just going to be out here with 12 points in 40 something minutes. That 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 is not a recipe for success. I'm telling you right now, if if Jason Tatum continues to play like that. The Celtics are going to be in Cancun. I make I make no apologies about that. So Jason Tatum better get his stuff together. Which, just for all intents and purposes, I do think he's going to. I'm not worried about Jason Tatum at all. I'm, I'm but I'm, I am challenging him to play better than what he did, and I definitely think he will. Kenny, is this a game too the biggest game for the Warriors this year? It's gotta be. You cannot go down 0-2 and then have to go to Boston, where. For all intents and purposes, you have to win two in Boston to make it 2-2. So, you know, they've been excellent at home. It's a big must-win. Whenever you got home court and you're down 0-1, so I would fully expect all hands on deck and the Warriors to really come out and lay a punch. Well, Silas, you, th- Darryl, you know, Daryl, from a referee standpoint, don't be surprised if you get a Scott Foster <laughs> interrupting that game. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, Silas, you know, you know what they call Scott Foster, right? They call him the extender. <laughs> He's the but, extender because he extends I the series. The Warriors to come out at home, um, and just considering that they, I mean, they play three really good quarters, so they're not overmatched at all. But I would definitely expect a way better effort. Cross the eyes, got the keys in the fourth quarter take care of business in game two. <laughs> Silas and Kenny, I do you guys for both coming on. I appreciate it. <laughs> and once again, I want to thank Kenny Sim for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 438th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. Why? All my life, I've been grinding all my life, yeah. all my life, been grinding all my life.